This episode of the Hot LZ is brought to you by the Mall Exchange. You can find them at themallexchange.co.uk. Say again? Could you guys hear me earlier? No. Negative. Hmm. Okay. I tried running my Bluetooth headset through my computer, but naked, just no audio. Hello, future people, and you're listening to again the Hoddle Z, the premier drop fleet commander podcast with your host Jason. He's actually fictional, the Bruce. See, he's fictional. I lie. And Levi, he sold his soul to a, a devil of sorts, the Duncan. Yeah, we'll, we'll call it the devil. Congratulations on your your recent recent nuptials, sir. Yes, thank you, thank you very much. Of yes, course, congratulations, I'm good sir. And condolences to your partner. Yeah, she she's My the partner. one that's truly suffering. I don't know about that, dude. And she, she's committed her spending her life with you. God, was it GHB? Or... The, the least we can do is offer our heartfelt condolences to the woman that's going to spend the rest of her life with you. <laughs> that's that's the least. All right, and uh, yeah, this this is another episode of the Hot LZ. It's, Levi's back. Uh, it's been a while since we've heard him. Hi, Levi. Hi. Hi. Hold on. I'm chewing a dog out of the office. Sorry. Hi. How are everyone doing? We're, we're, we're still doing. Do we have any news? Uh, kind of. I've got I got a little... Yeah, yeah, kind of. Like actual news news or just like relevant to you news? Uh, it involves me and Drop Fleet Commander, so... It's not and news actually playing a game combat. It's not news. Mm. I have combat. sort of news, more of an update, but yes. Okay, well, yes, let's update. jump in the news there for the for the for the. Yeah, is the news. Well, uh, is going to be me or Jason first? You can go. I can go. Oh boy. Uh, so as George kind of said earlier, and if you read my uh, my little blog on the website, I finally was able to find some drop fleet players here in Nashville, and I got a game in, which was very refreshing. Um, and the people rejoiced. Me. It was refreshing after playing so much of uh, Games Workshop and Privateer Press products to uh, to come to a game that is truly balanced and is actually fun all the way. Because that's that's one thing I missed about about Drop Fleet. Every game is fun. Every game is close until you tell yes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, although I mean, I have had a game where it was just I I knew I was losing from the start, but that's very rare with this. Um, I don't think we give the game enough credit for that. And I've I've been in games where I I knew it was just going to be an absolute just clobber fest. Like it was just going to be almost a table. But at the end of the day, it was they eat my opponent still had a lot of fun. So and I think that speaks a lot to the to the way the rules are written out, as Bruce said. Well, it's it's like I I heard someone say when de- describing us, you know, you know the the game is criminally underrated. It really is. Now, granted, stocking issues don't help that. I think that's probably the biggest downside at this point. Um, between that and the, although this has been beaten to death and taken well beyond what it should have been, but the, the way that the Kickstarter delivery happened, um, or at least the perception of how it happened for a long time, uh, didn't help either. 
Yeah, and I guess I'll, I'll wait until I get to game time to really, really talk about it. Um, but the local players who are who have gotten a hold of models and are playing now, um, a couple of them are actually Kickstarter backers, and they were in the boat. A lot of the people were. They had a bad experience with the Kickstarter, and so they sold off their stuff. But they have actually come back the second time around, which I think is I think is really cool. Yeah, it is really cool. It, it's sad that when people sell out of a game. I mean, the amount of money that it's taken to get back into it. Um, but anybody coming back to the game is a positive start. It really, really. Yeah. yeah. So, so Bruce, what was your update? Um, quite a few months ago now, I spoke about a company in Australia that was getting at, getting a printer in to be doing the ability to print maps. I brought this up around the time that the maps became available from Hawk at the time. Uh, I can report that the House of War in Ringwood, Victoria has their printer set up. Their printer can do printing on vinyl mats at this stage. Uh, there will be a further investment into one that can do the neoprene mats in 2019. I have seen the quality for myself. It prints very nicely and I'm in the process of organising to get a mat printed for me. To my knowledge, they are the only company in Australia that can print mats at this time, to my knowledge. I have looked. I've never been able to find one in Australia that prints them. Deep cut mats are awesome and really nice, but I'm paying more for the product in postage than the product actually costs. Therefore, I can't justify it. Yeah, that's got to be a, yeah, that's gotta be a huge issue for you guys down there with, with just posts and stuff. It's... I mean, I, I did a little little thing to get some stuff and, you know, or uh, uh, the airbrush paint from uh, Green Stuff World, the chameleon stuff. Five euro to send it to me. Okay. Twist my arm. Yeah. It's not on, it's not on everything. Um, and it's not just postage on everything either. I mean, there's a certain company out there that, and I'm not going to mention names and I'm not going to go into a huge rant, but there's a 90, no, I'm sorry, a 90 pound product, which is $165 in Australia currently being sold on Saturday for $250. Um, when you take out tax and make the allowances for that, that's a $100 difference because it's a 20% tax in that country, which is where it becomes a $100 difference. Um, we get screwed in a lot of stuff. Um, again, I'm not mentioning companies. It might be a big company, but yeah. So are the, um, heck is that? I'm sorry. Uh, are the prices for these printed mats, are they at least reasonable? Uh, yeah, um, I'm being quoted 40 bucks at this point, which is actually be, that's very reasonable. Oh, that's really good. Yeah. That's like what? For a four by four? Something like that? Uh, it'd be around, yeah, around the 30-ish. It'd be a little bit above the... Did you say the size? Is it a four by four? Yep, that's going to be four by four. Um, I can't remember the price that they're going to charge for the, uh, six by four. I, I want to say that it was 60 off the top of my head. I could be wrong on that though. Riordan, if you're listening and I said the price wrong, I'm sorry. Holy smokes, that's really nice. Yeah, that's like 2836 right now. It's current exchange rates in US dollar. That's that's more than a good deal. That's a great deal. Uh, yeah. Ho almost, hopefully, go ahead, Levi. I say that's almost worth paying the Australian postage to try to get. Yeah, no kidding. Because uh, oh no, it wouldn't be. It wouldn't be. You'd be paying the, the package that I sent for um our gift to mr army man yes. uh cost me 40 dollars to send it and it's nowhere near that size the, yeah but that's like oh so yeah that'd be like 60 bucks then with shit oh yeah You'd be better off buying so, them locally yeah so but but i mean that's good for for the area in the community because you know 
you can use these mats and, and have different things printed on for more than just drop fleet. You can do other games and stuff like that on them, obviously. So good on them for yeah. uh, jumping into that market and, and helping out the gaming community with that. Well, one of the reasons that they wanted to, they actually have a premises that's large enough to be able to do this sort of stuff. Um, like they actually exist in what used to be a motorbike store. So it's quite sizable. Um, they're also kind of looking at it as a way because nobody else in Australia is doing this at this point. They can kind of take advantage of the market, especially if they start getting their own designs. Um, it's a good opportunity for them. So the downside well, of vinyl is that it doesn't really lay flat properly, but Riordan and I have worked out a way of getting around that. Uh, we're going to essentially create a giant scroll uh, with wooden dowels on each side. The wooden dowel will hold it down to the table properly. Uh, and also help you with rolling it so that it doesn't get creased and stuff. Well, uh, on the side note too, if they, they, you know, with what they're charging and everything, you know, they're not going to price themselves on the market. People are going to buy it, and they're going to make it harder for someone to get in and be competitively undercutting them while still making profit. So yeah, uh, they, they've started off on the right foot. It sounds like because they're not gouging the the players because they're going ones. And they're going to, um, you know, you know, get, get people ordering it because it is a reasonable price. So, yeah. Yeah, so it's nice to be able to actually finally, um, and I know that there's been a lot of people that reached out to us asking for more information on that. And I've had to ask those people to hold off. I don't have the information yet, but it's actually running. Uh, it's there. It's literally ready to go. So they've also tested on printing on canvas, which looks really nice as well. Uh, but that would be a more temporary solution because canvas will not hold up over time. But if you really wanted to go cheap, you could do it that way as well. Hmm. Sounds good. I, yeah, th th that would look really cool for like a, a, a seven seas, you know, like a, a pirate kind of thing, you know, where it's a canvas, you know, where you, where you need yeah. the gritty. And the... Yeah. And yeah. It, it, as right. it wears over time, you know, to a certain point, it would, it would add even more effect to the game. That that would be kind of cool, actually. Actually, D maps might look good like that, too. Oh, yeah. Make it look like an old map. And it actually be, yeah, I actually like that idea. All right. Well, anything else for the news, or do we need to move on to some, some hobby time? I think we can move on to hobby. Hobby is good. I've got a lot of hobby. I have some. Tanks. Which I know George is saying. All right. Well, why don't you start with your hobby, Bruce? I've been adding paint to my lovely thick shaft with its um, dangly bits that come off it. Um, it's all. Yes, it's all glittery and color-changing. And um, if you look very carefully on the Drop Fleet groups, you'll find pictures of Megatron approving of the way that the model looks. It is looking superb, I will say. You're, you're doing a really good job on that. Um, well, the paint takes a lot of the credit for it. Um, it's all airbrushed. I have to do the fine details yet, obviously. Uh, and I still have to magnetize the head. Um, I'm still... I'm really tempted to just glue the thing together. And if I ever change my mind on which one it is, just looking to my opponent and going, look, it's actually this one. Let's just keep an eye on that. But I don't know. I'm, I'm trying to be a good boy and magnetize it properly. They're really not that hard to magnetize. No, I know. I just can't figure out where my damn magnets are. Ah, yeah, that's an issue. I want to play with it now, damn it. Uh, the one thing I've got to say, uh, although it's a model that has rather nice lugs, those lugs are designed to be modular so you can change how it moves. Um, you're really going to need to magnet. So not magnetize. You're really going to have to pin this thing. Um, I've tried to do it with just super glue already. 
and it doesn't really hold up well and remains quite fragile. So don't do what I did. Actually, take the time. Once you've figured out how it's going to sit, pin it in place. Um, don't just rely on the glues. It won't hold. Did you Interesting and useful tip. What was that? Sorry, Levi? Did you wash yours in soap and water before? Yeah, but the way it's designed and the weight of the pieces uh, is what causes issue there. Super glue is not infallible. Uh, it will break under pressure. It is. Super glue is pretty good. Also, the tentacles are giant levers, so if you bump the wrong end of it, it's going to give way. But they look sweet. Oh, God, yeah, I love this model. I really love this model. It's my favourite tentacle, 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 tentacle. How about you, Levi, since you dust off yourself? Did you do any hobby time stuff for Drop Fleet or no? Um, yeah, I was, I've been um, assembling my own Dreadnought. Um, I got a battle cruiser coming in. I have destroyers coming in. I have some Corvettes coming. Um, I've got a lot of stuff to get in just so uh, I can get back to snuff with Drop Fleet. I'm hoping, I'm hoping we can, uh, me and the local guys, whenever I get them, they haven't played very many games yet, so I'm still kind of teaching them, trying to get them up to, up to speed with it. Um, but I'm hoping I can get them to speed pretty quick and we can actually have a local turn uh, turn of the year is what I'm thinking. Oops, sorry. Uh, turn of the year and uh, be able to really, really get the the uh, community going. So I've just got, I've just been doing a lot of assembling, not a whole lot of painting, uh, actually no painting at all, just assembling and magnetizing so far. Well, I, I, I've, uh, I've been doing a lot of de-painting. Um, so as, as we talked in episode 44, I, I got my airbrush in and have fought with it some and finally figured out how to get it working properly. Um, it was, uh, the, the guy who put it together or gal, you know, it must've been their first day of, uh, airbrush assembly. Cause yeah. So I finally got it dialed in working. Um, and hopefully and I haven't taken it apart and cleaned it properly, uh, because I've been having to thin my paints a lot, but I've been more. So what you're part. saying is that it's your fault and you clogged it and you're trying to blame them for not putting it together properly. Uh, no, there's a little brass screw that was not tightened down enough. And so when you would, you know, hit the trigger to start airflow, it wouldn't flow air before oh. you even try, trying to spell your paint yeah yeah hmm. so i had to i had to fiddle and futz with that i finally got it working um found an amazing sale uh, the stuff that i tried to help you find in australia that apparently doesn't exist there um a lot of uh companies in the u.s are stopping carrying it and when i went in to buy a gallon of it they were out but they had two and a half gallon jugs they're selling said two and a half gallon jugs for $2.75 each. The gallon jug I bought was like 13 bucks. So I was like, I'll take both. So I got five gallons for like five bucks. And That's insane. Right? And apparently it's reusable according to a guy. And he's right because I've been reusing the same that I've poured out that I've been filling mason jars with and stuffing all of my ships in and removing all of the dots that I've painted and all of the paint that I have put on and all of the primer that I've put on. I've got about 70% of the primer left to remove and all of my ships will be bare plastic or bare resin, ready to accept new black primer, then ready to accept gloss finish, then accept cobalt chameleon paint so they have a lovely color shifting effect. As a matter of fact, uh, I was talking with Michelle, and I just mentioned it before we started recording, Bruce. Uh, I'm probably going to live stream some of this from our Facebook account, so keep your eyes peeled for that. Um, mm. On the note, for anyone that's been watching the results of our chameleon paints, they come from a company called Green Stuff World. Uh, they're not a sponsor. We're literally just mentioning this because they're really cool. They're so awesome. Um, <laughs> yeah. They, they also now sell a, a primer 
that is a black gloss primer, which eliminates one of those steps. Apparently, there's also a Vallejo gloss black primer, but I've never seen it in stock. Um, but if you were looking to buy some of these paints for yourself and wanted to make it a little bit easier, you could probably just buy both. I also have this cool paint now that lets you paint spiderwebs, which is kind of cool. Well, my, my plan is is I've got some uh, a Vallejo uh, medium gloss that I'm just going to thin down so I can actually spray it without mixing it into the paint Yeah, and just spray gloss finish on. So that I think that'll work a little bit better than making the paint glossy and just putting an actual gloss finish on because that would be, instead of you know adding gloss to a paint, just straight putting gloss on. No, no, no. What I'm, they have a pre-mixed one that's already ready for the airbrush. That's what I'm right, saying. Right, right, right. But what I'm saying is I'm putting just a straight gloss on. I'm not putting a gloss paint on. Yes. I'm, but By the way, the paints that, are gorgeous, and I look forward to seeing the results of your work. Yeah. But yeah, like I said, I'm, I'm probably going to uh, live stream some of my airbrushing and stuff like that. So yeah, uh, I'll post it up. And yeah, keep, keep your eyes peeled on the, the, the our page and the, the uh, Facebook page. I'll make sure to share it over that. So, you know, if you want to watch me paint, if you're that bored, you want to watch someone paint Shaltari ships, you can come watch me paint mine. <laughs> if you really want to watch paint dry. The good thing about Literally. airbrush stuff is that they do br they do dry rather quickly. Yeah, not the gloss medium, I found out, but yeah. No, the gloss medium tends to take a little while. Yeah, but as Peter said, um, right now, uh, on a scale of one to ten, I'm gonna give my airbrush a five. My airbrush was also forty dollars, so you get what you pay for in airbrush quality. Yeah. The, the Grex that you I learned what to use you on, pay for. That thing's 120 bucks just for the airbrush. So I paid literally a third of the price for a side flow airbrush. And I've had nice. to fight with it some. But I've got it working. I'm probably most definitely going to upgrade at some point here in the future. But right now, it's going to do for right now. Because right now, I'm like 160 bucks into an airbrush setup with a compressor. So I'm not going to complain about that. Yeah, I need to... I need to get my space ready for airbrush and start airbrushing over the winter. Yeah, I've... um ordered some of the parts that i need to set myself up in the garage um because of the way that this house is designed i 100 percent want a paint station i don't want to risk getting paint on anything probably a good idea yeah so yeah everything's coming along nicely at this point um the only real downside of where i'm located at the moment is that if i want to paint stuff i can't really prime stuff at home i have to do that at the hobby store so that's the only thing that's really limiting me at this point. You can get um, but that problem should be fixed in a matter of weeks. So, so I, I will ha I will say something about that, Levi. What is primer designed to do? It's supposed to stick. What do you not want airbrush paint to do? You don't want it to stick in the airbrush. So right there, airbrush primer is kind of self-defeating. But I do know for a fact, a uh, guy I know does this all the time. He's got the Vallejo primer, and he just brushes that on, and it comes out perfect. So uh, let me let me look through yeah. my messages. I got a I got a local guy who commissions airbrush models, and he gave me a list of all the paints he used. I talk too much drop loot. I'm not gonna find it. Um, Interesting. But he uses for his white for white primer. He uses his airbrush. Um, for gray, he uses a rattle can, and then black, he's got a brush on. Interesting. They're all, they're all different. Yeah, they're all different brands and whatnot. But he they're they do make airbrush primers that work really well. Yeah, um, I don't really understand why he's using a why he's brushing it on though. That just seems to defeat the purpose of having the airbrush. But anyway, 
whatever works for him. Well, it's just that's the best quality painting. It gives him the best finish. So. Oh, so it's because the paint that he's using is okay. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. prime example. Uh, I don't know what the name of the store is. It's located in Colorado. Uh, it, it, it's a hobby gaming store. And they, I, I'm not kidding when I say this, they legit carry uh, mortician paints. This is the paint that they used to paint on dead people's faces to make them not look so uh, for, you know, a dead. viewing. Yeah. And so and and so the, the pigments in these are so strong and potent that, like, you only need a coat of the yellow that they have. Like, you put on a coat <sighs> and it's cut. Yeah, right? So, yeah. If, if you can find mortician paint, yeah. Like the black is like the deepest, blackest black you can find in a paint. It, you brush it on and it's just like, it's so deep. Yes. So here's a pro My tip. Lord. Uh, get, get mortician paint to do your brush detail paint on your minis because the colors are amazing. I'm going to have to look into that. Alrighty. Uh, game talk. What, what can we talk about for game talk? Uh, I guess I'm game. This one. I've got an idea for game talk. Uh-oh. Our troops in the north put down a smoke screen. So, Levi, since I'm kind of in the, the same boat, granted, I, I, I've spent a lot of time reading the rules, um, what was the easiest part about playing the game, and what was the hardest part about coming back to the game, rules-wise, like, as far as keeping track of things and knowing how things work? Uh, hmm. And since you've been gone for a while, I decided to put you on the spot. <laughs> I think I think the easiest part was just remembering the signatures. Like, I guess how the signatures interact with the ships and how they stack up and they don't stack up, how to get rid of them, how to manage them. That's a, you know, that's, that's a small part of the game that coming back to it brings a lot of strategy and a lot of extra brain work because you're not only trying to figure out what your enemy is going to do, what you're going to do, what you're going to do the next turn, how you're going to score, but you've also got to figure out how you're going to keep your ship safe with the energy spikes so i think that was probably i'll say that that was probably that okay so so spikes was the easiest thing to remember what was the hardest thing to remember for me the the intricate details of the orders like um like back whenever i you know played the game a lot you know uh weapons free you can't turn okay that's easy uh silent running i didn't know you couldn't turn under silent didn't realize that i knew you couldn't shoot weapons but i also didn't realize you couldn't turn um so just really small like little one sentence rules like that i kept forgetting like i, I was wasn't trying to do it you know i would say i'm going weapons free and <clears throat> i would just instinctively like need to turn a little bit so i would turn and then i'd have to go back and say crap can't do that now he's not in arc of my front narrow i'm not gonna go weapons free because it's not gonna and then, uh, what was the other one? Oh, whenever I had my shields up on my ships, on my Shaltari ship, I kept wanting to roll point defense. Shaltari don't get point defense when their shields are up. So, and then I think the the one thing that really made me question myself and my knowledge of the game, um, I had a group of amethysts that were going in for a kill, and I got them within 12 inches, their scan range, and I was going to just open up on their close action weapon. And um, they go, wait a minute, you're 12 inches away. And I was like, uh, yeah, your close action's in the scan range. And I can't remember, one of them, one of them said just straight dead face he goes no it's in six inches i kind of stopped and thought for a second i was crap I've been, have i been really playing it wrong this whole time did i read that wrong so it is in the interest of time and just not wanting to think about it or get out the book and like dig through the book for the specific rule i went ahead and rolled with it but um it is definitely your scan range <laughs> so yes it is he's th he's thinking yeah, of so his own scan range that's that's exactly what it was he was thinking of his own scan range so and that was that was just my fault for just not knowing the rules concrete that was just well in, in your defense and that, that's why i've been i posed the, the the question the way it was is you know like you know what, what was easy to remember what was what was hard to remember 
And yeah, when a majority of the game is, you know, a scan range of, of six inches, you know, most people are like, well, close action is six inches. Yeah, sure. For a majority of the ships, you get over to the PHR, close action is 10 inches. Shaltari, close action is 12 inches. If you're playing the scenario where you capture the comm stations, your, your close action gets a longer range because your scan range is further. It's, yeah. So yeah. That, well, I, I, I could see where he thought that, no, close action is six inches, especially if he was playing Scourge or UCM. Well, and I think, and because I, I talked to him about it afterwards, whenever I did some research and I looked up the rules, and they were saying that the, when they first read through the book, I think one of the examples they saw on YouTube, or maybe it was in the book, was using UCM versus Scourge, where they both have scan of six inches. So they just thought that close action is six inches because both of those ships that they were using in the video from the exam had a scan of six. I was playing PHR. Yeah, and to be fair, um, most videos like that, when they're talking about things like that, will often say that it's just X amount of inches. Uh, as opposed to it is your scan range, which in this case is X amount, because they only have so much time for the video. So exactly. So and uh, you're gonna see a loss if someone's doing this. You know, it's like you know, especially with how new the game is. Still, let's be honest. You know, we're in the starting the third year of it, and yeah. we're, we're we're starting the third year of this game. How Holy long have crap. other games been around? Holy crap! Yeah, what that we're crap. we're starting the third year of this game? Yeah, I know it's. <laughs> Yeah, third year. Wow. Sorry, go ahead. So, uh, you know, and, and w what's one of the quickest, fastest ways to get in this game? You buy the two-player starter set. What's in the two-player starter set? Scourge UCM. You you have UCM, six-inch scan range, six-inch signature. You have, or yeah, UCM. Then you have Scourge, six-inch scan range, eight-inch signature, but you've got all that Scald stuff. You've got, you know, you know the Stealth and stuff like that. So, I mean, that's what you know you're going to see a lot of stuff on as far as tutorials learning how to play and stuff like that because what's the easiest way to learn how to play it you get the two-player starter set you know mm -hmm. i would concur so how long do you think it'll get you, take you to get back up to par um with the core rules i'm already up to par again um i sat down and i really i studied the book really hard i had the guys um basically compile a list of all the questions they had had them send them to me and i just went through all the questions and just answered them all um as they're playing games and i if i'm not there because sometimes they'll play like locally like local to their house um, uh they'll send me questions i'll answer so i'm i am pretty well back up to speed on it um i could i guess i, I could probably run a tournament but um i would definitely be referencing the rule book for everything in a tournament setting um as a turn as a to uh, just to make sure that i for i'm 100 know i am right but if it's just just a friendly game between me and them and whatever i i'm confident enough to know i'm so now that you have a, a, a local meta, what, what what is the meta? What's the breakdown? Obviously, you've got some Scourge and Shaltari. Yeah. Um, so for those of you who have read my uh, my blog post on the website from a couple weeks ago, um, I've decided Which I didn't. to switch over. Haha, you're going to like this. Um, I've decided to switch over to, to Scourge for a little bit. Um, so Destroyers, Corvettes. Um, I probably have close to like 3,000 points of Scourge now. I have a lot of Scourge. And I actually have the Scourge dreadnought sitting in front of me. So this dude is huge. I would never have imagined him being this big, but the, the dreadnoughts are huge. Um, but yeah, so I, I've swapped to Scourge for now, um, only because playing Shaltari the next, this last time, um, I enjoyed Shaltari a lot, but Shaltari and 
dropped zone also, um, they just clicked with me. Like I just understood how they needed to be played and I got good at them really, really quick. And then they kind of got boring because I got good really quick. Um, and so I swapped the Scourge because in dropped zone, I got just clobbered. Every single game, I got clobbered with Scourge. So it's just such a different play style for me and I have to try a lot harder. Um, and I guess, I'm sorry, sorry if that sounded really conceited, um, but it's just so much different than what my brain naturally functions as, I guess. Um, and I just love the Scourge sculpts that they've been coming out with. Absolutely love. So I decided to go ahead and make the switch over to Scourge. So I got, so we got me, Scourge player. Um, I also, I still obviously have my Shaltari. So if anybody wants to play Shaltari here, they can play me. Uh, they can play them. Um, there's another Shaltari player. There's a UCM player. There's a PHR player. And there was another Scourge player, but um, he's a little tight on time now. So he has the models, but I don't think they've been assembled yet. He has it, but there is another Scourge player here. So, so you're you're pretty equally represented there as far as you know all factions exist. Yeah, all factions exist, which is really nice. And almost everybody who bought into Drop Fleet also got a little bit dropped. So, okay. So, so I, I I just have to ask you this as me asking you a question then, since since you haven't been around that much or anything. So, Shaltari destroyers. Yes. What's your opinion of the home ship? The home ship, the the emerald, or the little one drop the, destroyer? Yeah, the little one drop one drop destroyer that I think is pointless and useless. I I think it's worthless. I mean, yeah. it's 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 nice to have that one drop, but all the points in that ship are wrapped up in the ability to drop that one troop or that one ground asset, and it can't go into atmosphere. So yeah, so I mean, really, it's just you're yeah you're you're soaking more points into a ship that you're gonna hide in the back behind a behind some debris field just like an emerald and you have to take three or two up at least so i i think that ship's pointless and like this like the scourge uh, uh destroyers personally i think the succubus which is the one with the atmospheric weapon which allows it to fire into atmosphere without penalty from low orbit um i think that one just completely outshines the other two so right. No, so, so let me ask you this, since we're kind of on that uh, destroyer topic and, you know, we haven't heard from you in a while. What, what is your opinion of the fact that all three factions, because PHR got it, Scourge got it, UCM got it, Shaltari didn't. They didn't get the ability to shoot from low atmosphere in, or yeah, low orbit into atmosphere. Um, I'm not... I, I don't want to say I'm not a big fan of it um, because the, the Shaltari are the only faction who can really, who really have a good chance of taking out a Corvette or a dropship or sorry, a strike carrier before they get into atmosphere because they have that 12 inch scale. So first turn, they can full thrust up the board. Um, and if not full thrust, they can get up the board and they can act they can active scan the enemy ship, the enemy strike carrier, giving it a minor spike. So plus six inches on his already probably four inch signature. So he's at 10 inches already plus whatever distance i mean long story short shaltari are really the only faction who can start taking out ships legitimately taking out ships if you activate shaltari ship so does it suck that they can't uh destroy uh, i guess effectively destroy things in atmosphere yes it sucks for the shaltari but at the same time they've had the ability to mitigate the strike carriers and corvettes from the from day one. it's just i don't know if a lot of people didn't see it or if nobody wants to move forward that aggressively but i've done it before i've taken out uh, when me and G when me and jason played back in Kansas, uh, whenever he was playing his PHR. Uh, granted, he played his a little, probably a little too aggressively, but I think he had five strike carriers and a and a bulk lander. 
and turn one, I took out four strike carriers just because I could get up that far up the board. I had the 12 inch, I had the 12 inch scan. I put some minor spikes and I was able to shift and I was able to do it. So nobody else can do that. So I think the shot, so I think this kind of brings the Shaltari back into view, back into spec in a way. Um, but they also get the Mauler weapon on their destroyer and the Mauler is disgusting. Yeah. Well, except the mirror match. Yeah. I, yeah. The mirror match sucks, but at that point, then it's just target priority. Yeah. So, yeah. Okay. So, well, I, I I was just curious because you know I I I I loathe it so much in an episode. It, 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 you know, I, Lewis even took took note of it with me and you know commented on like you know we made some changes. Ho- hopefully, it's better for you. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like I said, there. I understand. Yeah. I, in, a, in a way, I understand You're why right. they did it, and I don't like. I, I don't say I don't like. I'm not a fan that the Shaltari doesn't have that option. But like I said, it's in a way they've had that option since day one. Well, no, I, just, I, was, I was I was talking the home ship is okay. what I was specifically talking. Yeah. Well, let's, let's go take a look here. It's forty five oh, yeah. points, by the way. So what? The shipping, uh, the um, home ship is forty five points. So ninety points. So twenty points less than an emerald for one less drop, and you have to take two of them. But still not. but what are the what's the total what's the hull value of the two destroyers? Mm, same as the mothership. No, one more than the mothership. One more than the mothership, and it has to be two activations to take them. Sorry, not two activations, but probably two ships to take them out. Oh, uh, you can <coughs> take them in groups of one to three. Sorry. Keeping okay. in mind that if you have points left over, it's something that somebody may want to throw in just to fill the gap to well and that's and I, that's i think that's where that niche is for that specific ship um it's really just a point score yeah now, it's got five hull with that being said i would love to see somebody to make a list with nothing above those destroyers just to see how it goes yeah yeah that'd be interesting now the only i guess the only situation where that wouldn't be good is when you actually start dropping your ground assets you have to do it by group and you would have so many groups that you wouldn't be able to claim like a like comm station or something it's basically first come first serve in the concept. so if you have so many groups and you can't drop that you're, you're gonna lose out in some sense all right another question for you levi yes what do you think of the uh that gun on the remus the anti part the black matter thing no 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 the the, the remus is the dreadnought the one with the uh that that sector right there i don't like that sector that sector's going away because i'm gonna overcharge my weapon Oh, the big one second. Hold on, let me pull it back up. Someone link that real quick to the big map. Oh, here it's the apocalypse cannon. Uh, three attacks hitting on twos, one damage. Uh, bombardment. Uh, overcharge, which doubles the damage, but th- and that can be that's only used on weapons free. And if you overcharge, that's the only weapon system that can fire. So essentially, so, it gives you twelve shots hitting on twos that you can bump up to two damage each for bombardment with a sixteen-inch scan. So possibly, so you're probably going to do twenty damage, and a sector has anywhere between was it like ten and fifteen? No. no, no, like four and ten. No, it's not that. Yeah. Hold on, I got my book right next to me. It's not that. And if it is, and that is maybe six and twelve, but. It's, the, the yeah the, like i said that that cannon could wipe out a, a sector in a in a in a salvo it could but that's the only time it's gonna it's the only time it shoots and it's only one sector so you're really close to you have to be really close to the cluster to do it which then puts no. you closer to the enemy it's got a 16 oh inch scan the most is eight yeah <laughs> is it two is it two weapon profiles so you can shoot at two different targets no it's four weapon profiles so you can shoot at four targets that's broken. <laughs> yeah, no, they're uh, and they're linked, so you can use them all at once. 
yeah, they're all linked too. So yeah, that's broken. But I mean, I want to say it's broken, but at the same time, if you can't, uh, there I if you destroy them, I see it. If you destroy it, then you can't score it either. Right, but there's that scenario where you score bonus points if you destroy that sector or that cluster. Yeah, but that's one scenario out of a. If you go to a tournament, you know, that's a, a three game tournament. That's three scenarios. The odds of pulling a scenario or I don't say slim, but kind of slim, and that's kind of a lot of points to soak into. I don't know. I mean, it's it's situation. Are you sure? Look look at that thing. <laughs> it's it's ridiculous. Uh, where is base? One, two, three, two, six, nine, twelve. One game, twelve, one, four game. Well, that's pretty much easy. I mean, I don't know. You can roll a lot of Bruce. Well, to be fair, we can all roll lots of Bruce's. Yeah. But we can never roll as many Bruce's as Bruce can roll because Bruce is the pro at rolling Bruce's. Yep. I don't, I don't know what I think about the apocalypse game. I'm not I'm not sold on it per se, but I'm not and 60 inches. That's pretty far back. Uh, well, it's got it's got a 22 inch threat range. Yeah, but it's also got a sit well, it's got a 16 inch signature. So if you're hitting this with if you're hitting ball, the, with armor too. Yeah, but it's only got 18 points. 6 inch thrust. Hmm. hmm that's tough. That's um, tough. Yeah, to, to I to me I almost you almost could build a list around that Remus, like throwing another bombardment option, then some some support options, and just and you could really just start wrecking stuff with that one ship so badly. I mean, shoot, it's it's one thirty or army actually over that. I mean, a twelve fifty point game. That's oh gosh, that's almost thirty seven percent of your army. And I will say, I've been using a or I taught them, I taught the local guys a modified point system, and the point system we're using is really balanced between destroying like destroying ships and taking ground sectors. Um, so, oh, as as far as like uh, victory points for scoring for winning the game. Um, not necessarily the victory points. Um, more. Well, yeah, I guess yeah, I guess it would be victory points, and then you get turn. I'm I'm on the fence about it. It's really ugly, but this or not ugly as in like disgusting. But at the same time, I've never seen bombardment be useful, if that makes sense. Well and, and minus, minus well, that one scenario. Yeah. So so and and reality too, I mean bombardment has been so you know focalized like you know okay you so you have the beijing or no 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 the not the the the, the ucm battleship yeah the big the ucm big one yeah yeah so i mean that had a lot of bombardment you know you pair that up with one of the cruisers okay you start taking stuff out start taking stuff out this ship right here it, it's it just can flat out like you know you're gone you're gone you're gone i mean prime example okay so you know you and your opponent are fighting over a cluster and you are sitting there like okay well i'm gonna keep stuff here and here and let him come and fight you and you can just be like that sector's gone you can't score that you have to come here and fight me where i've been building up my troops if you want to score this sector to me i i I really like that just because this cannon is such a a game changer as far as bombardment goes i mean there's no other weapon system like it oh no yeah well, I mean, it's a dreadnought i mean right but it, no other no other dreadnoughts have a bombardment option the, the the biggest bombardment option for ucm is a battleship scourge um they they don't even have a battleship shaltari don't have a battleship i mean the shaltari heavy cruiser it's the equivalent of, or not battle, battle cruiser heavy cruiser and cruiser they all have the same capacity for bombardment you know it's this is just a it's it's a really huge gun 
<laughs> I mean, I, I definitely understand where you're coming from with that, but like, let me, hold on, let me look into some of these layouts. So, all ventures, so if you say, I don't know. I said, I, I don't know. I, I would honestly have to play against it first. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, obviously, if you're if you're making a list to destroy sectors and clusters, that's why you're just war. Obviously, the ship's gonna work. Obviously, but um, it's thirty-seven percent of your list. Yeah, it's got really good armor and a whole lot of hold, but focus fire weighted dice can beat that pretty easy. Um, I mean, si yeah, sixteen inches is is big, but it's only moving six, six inches at a time, so it's gonna take you like two turns to even get to the center cluster to be able to, be able to fire. If, if you're going, if you start in the center line of the of the board, you go straight two turns, six inches a turn. It's gonna take you it's two and a half, three turns to even get to the center cluster. No, you can reach center cluster. Moving. By turn two. Uh, first you move on. So six, twelve, twenty-eight. Okay, so you so you can get to probably the back, your back two on the center cluster. Might no. be able to get to the forward two. No, if you if you've got if you've got a lot of sectors, middle of the board, twenty-four inches. It has a scan of sixteen, thrust of six. It's a twenty-two twenty-two inch threat range. So turn two, you move up another six inches. You're in range. And you can go weapons free. Yeah, that's that's what I'm saying. Like turn two, you can you can get to that middle cluster. Um, but turn two, since you've got almost over thirty, almost forty percent of your list wrapped up in this single ship, um, you're either gonna have a lot of support for it and not a whole lot of other attacking ships, or you're gonna have a whole lot of assault ships and not a lot of support for this guy. Um, I don't I don't I don't want to say it's easily mitigated because I haven't played against it, but I can tell you if I played against it, every one of my ships would be going for that. Well, yeah, that, that's what's going to happen is, you know, you know, the, the dreadnoughts are going to be the giant target. I mean, look at Star Wars, whatever one that was, you know, like, oh, we could take out this dreadnought. Let's do it. You know, and they completely ignore the other ships because yeah. they're all focusing on that dreadnought. What happens? Oh, the fighters come in and start blowing them up. Why? Because they're focusing on the dreadnought. You know, it, it, it's going to happen. It's, and it's going to be, you know, how much damage can you deal with your dreadnought before it blows up? Because it's going to blow up. And then, you know, as we also, mentioned... Also, how much damage you can know. you do elsewhere while they're distracted by the dreadnought? That too. The, you know, with, with the exception of maybe Shaltari, I mean... It, it, it's going to take a lot of, of focus to to take out a dreadnought. The reason why I say Shaltari, if, if you've got a battleship, you know, diamond, and you're turning that particle lance triad on it, you're probably going to will through it a little faster because you're going to, you know, force extra crippling rolls, you know, you're guaranteeing the damage, etc. So. Well, and also keep in mind, in order to get that overcharged, he's got to go uh, weapons free, which gives him an extra right. 12 inches on his signature. Right. So by turn two, yeah, you may be threatening 22 inches, but your signature base is going to be 28 inches plus whatever scan range everybody else has. Well, with the 16 inch so, signature, I mean, it, it's not going to be that hard because, you know, you figure a six inch, you know, that's 22 inch threat range. You add on, you know, even a, a scourge, you know, thrust of what's the average there? Six. So 12 uh, like and 16. <laughs> okay. So, so 10 and six, it's 16. So, you I mean, even without a spike, you're going to be visible, you know, turn two without, uh, you know, a lot of, you know, effort on your opponent's part to, to shoot at you. I mean, personally, I would I would probably rather go for the, the Romulus over the Remus, um, only because, oh my god, six points. Okay, maybe not. That's a lot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's a lot of points. Man, we did go back and forth last episode as to which one we preferred, but I think we went 
for the Remus in we, the end. You and I, I know, we're definitely both Remus. I think Peter leaned, uh, was leaning Remus too for the the PHR. Are we? If we're only looking at PHR, the only reason I would say the Remus is because you could fit a good chunk of ships in sixty points, or like even a really good commander for sixty points. Well, compare the Romulus to the Remus. That sixty point difference. Um, strike carriers. Okay, now you 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 put in some other stuff. So. I, like I said, I I would have to I would have to play against it in order to really definitively say, um, you know, obviously it's going to be a bullet magnet. Yes, it's got a thirty hull. Yes, it's got two up armor. But I mean, shoot, look at this, look at the scourge, the scourge dreadnought. Oh yeah, and Levite, got, and Levite. Look at the close action on that too. Uh, yeah, D three plus eight. Yeah. I mean, not as bad as what was it like two D six plus four, whatever. I don't remember what it is, but yeah, it's, I mean, it's 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 potent. It's definitely potent. Yeah. So, so on the topic of scourge, then, since you know you're you're kind of shifting that way, wh- which one are you leaning towards? Then, are you looking towards the uh, the burn through twenty furnace triad or the uh, just Oculus beams all day? <laughs> uh, Oculus beams all day. I think the the Cthulhu, I think, is what it's called. Uh, the Nosferatu has the Oculus beams all day. Okay, yeah, the, yeah, the, the Nosferatu. Then um, it just it's it's too good to pass up. The burn through lasers are cool, but the the big issue with the burn through laser four up um, is the four up. You can miss, and yeah, you may be swinging twelve dice a piece, but you can roll a whole lot of threes on your first roll. Yep, yep. So I would I would rather do that. And that's the way I lent too, and then I lent that way very heavily. Yeah, I mean, it's it should be it's yeah. I don't know. It, it's kind of it to me. It's kind of like the the particle inch triad on the diamond. It's a sexy weapon profile. It's when it works, it works wonder. But it's kind of the one. It's it, it's kind of the one trick pony or like the one wheel wonder. Um, because when it flops, it's gonna flop. So yeah, but that's the thing. I would, the particle inch triad. It, it's it's really not gonna flop because. Well, I mean, yeah. I mean, if if you roll three ones, I mean, that's that's terrible, and yeah. But I mean, you're, you're going to hit, you're going to deal damage because of the particle. You just have to get an actual critical on the dice to enforce the crippling effect, which that's four, five, or six. So that's fifty percent chance per dice. But okay. I mean, so, but, I mean like I said, it's just personally, I, I'm going to go for the Nosferatu almost every day. Um, I've got a, I've got a magnetized. I got the hoods magnetized either way, so I can take those off. Yeah. And let's not forget. Full, full cloak and stealth. <laughs> uh, yes. Um, the only thing that would not the only thing, but the one thing that's really kind of pulling me towards the Cthulhu is the launch of eight. Just yeah. bring the Cthulhu, bring bring a Hydra, and you've got what is it, 13, 13 bombers with scald. Yeah. Yes, uh, yes, please. Oh, what your your Remus dreadnought uh, with a two up save and only eighteen point defense. Oh yeah, what? Um, let's go ahead and roll all these scourge bombers. They're I think. Hitting on threes. They've got an 18-inch time to target. Um, by the way, your armor save is now three up. Right. So, okay. And I have one more question for you before we move into game talk. And you, you talk about your, your first game and in, in, in for so long. The special rules, the awesome ones, UCM, you get a free Admiral 5, you know, value. Uh, the overcharge rule for PHR. And then the Shaltari debuff, where not only does it affect the Dreadnought, it affects the battleships. That says 13 hit point higher ships require two shield boosters in order to get the power. Pass account manager rerolls. What do you think? Good rule. I, I, I personally, I think it's a great rule to enforce on the the Shaltari to kind of you know. I mean, instead of having a single opal falling around a, a you know a diamond, and you know now you have to have two on a diamond even, and of course, obviously the dreadnoughts. 
I think it's um, I think it's healthy. I hope they drop the points for the Opals a little bit. Not a lot, just just a couple of points. Like um, two, three points. Because yeah, because it's 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 they are now another tax because of that rule. Um, and you shouldn't have to you shouldn't be forced to pay more high points for something that you're going to need. So and I mean it's it's only it's only once per once per turn. So basically once per salvo. So which yeah, it could save your bacon pretty hard. But if your player if you're in if your opponent plays it outright and if he splits his firing his the number of shots going into the going into that ship then it's going to be hard for you as a Shaltari player to tell okay i've only got five shots here his dreadnought's about to go into me that's that's going to be 45 shots i'm obviously going to save my opal reroll because i have five shots if he plays it outright it'll be 13 shots 13 shots 12 10 15 something like that you know um, so i hope they drop the points in the opal but i'm i'm not mad about that change at all i wish the scourge got a cool special rule but we got Full cloak stealth and full cloak quiet <laughs> we've we've had stealth and, or scourges have had stealth and full cloak for since day one uh only on a battle cruiser a badass and cruiser. A, a badass battle cruiser yes i'll give you that but full cloak and stealth on a something that big are you flipping kidding me <laughs> that was awesome although i will say one thing that really bugs me is the battle cruisers full cloak and stealth the dreadnought full cloak and stealth cool what happened to the battle he ain't got squat yeah no no that's that is a great question um and, and but there is talk about a new rule book uh this year uh this next year coming up so maybe it'll change maybe 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 lots of things will change to you know try to rebalance out the game more now which i mean it, it is already it, still pretty balanced yeah it's it, it is going to get a here comes the buzzword streamlined set of rules um but it'll be good that word does get thrown around a lot these days doesn't it like everybody oh uses gosh. that when yeah when it comes to tabletop wargaming and a new set of rules it's all about being i want to say infinity started at first i could be wrong on that uh, i don't know like the use of the actual phrase yeah it could have been i very loosely follow infinity only because their models are gorgeous yeah um i wanted to get into infinity for so long and i just i mean i i have a shitload of um infinity models um like three armies that i could actually fight with but i just don't play it yeah there's there's a few things that have been brought to my attention about the game system that really push the models are still gorgeous and the tables when they're like fully painted and all the terrain look amazing but that's a different game all right. Well, let's move into war reports since we haven't done one of those in for how long? And you can talk about your game, Leaf. Yeah, bringing sexy back. Hi, this is Jason the Bruce from the Hot LZ giving a quick shout out to the Model Exchange. Uh, they have lots of tokens and templates created by Alan, uh, both in acrylic and MDF. Prices are very reasonable uh, from everything from ground tokens up to space station packs and everything as well. So be sure to check them out at themodelexchange.co.uk. Between 350 and 400 enemy aircraft were launched. How many aircraft did you launch? Um, let's see here. I had my basalt for three rounds. 15? No, four, 12. All bombers. Anyways, um, so I guess since I'm the only one with the battle report, um, I end up, I was able, like I said, I was able to find a, a group of players. They pretty much bought out the entire Hawk War Games booth, or sorry, TT Combat booth um, at Gen Con this year. Um, they bought a whole crap load of drop food, whole crap load of drop um, So I've got a handful of local players here. I just got to get them to keep coming into the store on a, on an interval, scheduled interval, so people can start playing it. Um, and hopefully TT Combat starts cranking out the product and, or at least giving it to their to distributors because I actually found out something a couple days ago. 
I think explains why it's so hard for people to get a hold of Hawk. But anyways, um, it was a 1,500-point game. Uh, my Shaltari against his PHR, um, a very different PHR list than I was used to running against. Um, but I had to, I had the standard um, Onyx Amber, two Topaz. Um, I had that group. I had the group of Amethysts. I had my... I had my gate group. I had an opal running around. Um, just kind of a standard 1,500-point list that, that George talked about, I talked about. Um, I just kind of brought that out because I was familiar with that list. I knew how it played. I, it wouldn't take me long to, catch, to brush back up on the stats and whatnot. Um, so I just brought that group. I brought a um, he ended up bringing his battleship. He ended up bringing one of uh, basically a battleship, um, two bulk landers, and a single group. I about crap myself whenever we got to the first ground phase, and he ended up dropping six bulk landers. I about crap myself. Do um, yeah, yeah. Talk about rough. Um, he uh, he had a group of like four corvettes. He had a couple strike carriers. Um, the battle the battleship he brought was the dark matter cannon ship. I don't know what it's called. Brought the dark matter, and then he kind of just filled in. Some different adders my biggest mistake and i i just i printed out the wrong list and i didn't think about it the i didn't bring any corvettes and i made a list i i adjusted my old faithful list to add in some corvettes because i knew that he was going to bring corvettes and i knew i had to have some, and i forgot to print that list out. so that was kind of my downfall um, he ended up winning the game. Um, I actually, I won the, uh, ship destruction. I, I basically, I won the space battle. He won the ground battle. And at the end of the day, um, he ended up winning more points off the ground battle than I can win off the space battle. So he ended up winning the game, but it was by like three points. Super, super close. Game. Um, first turn he took out. Oh, sorry. Um, first turn, he took out three out of my six gates, uh, three out of my seven gates, um, all on my right-hand side of the board. So I couldn't even touch that right-hand side. So that really, really hurt. Um, throughout the game, I had a whole lot of fluff rolls. Um, I got, with my Onyx Amber, two Topaz group, my Disintegrator battery group, I weapons freed on one of his cruisers. His cruiser was already missing two or three hulls, so he wasn't crippled yet. Um, I ended up putting, George, what is it, like 22 shots throughout that entire group? Or 18 uh, shots. the, the Am Amber Onyx? On, yeah, Onyx, Amber, and two Topaz. It's like 18 uh, shots. 18 four, dice or something. Eight, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20. 24 put in 24 shots and between my god-awful rolling and his really good armor saves i did like three hull and i was like what so between that and not make a single shield save the entire game i did not make a single shield oh sorry i made two shields out of the entire game uh, the game ended pretty quick just because of the way the dice rolled uh, and granted i i made some major mistakes in positioning some of my ships um specifically that onyx amber group onyx amber two topaz group and specifically my imps uh, my two kind of heavy hitter groups um i really dorked up whenever i was positioning them on turn two and it kind of put me on my back foot. And then whenever he was able to take out a good, or pretty much my entire right flank of gates, um, that kind of sealed the deal. But I, I still tried to take over the space, the, the orbital layers. Um, but with it being PHR, it was just, it was a lot of holes to choose on. Um, we were playing the first scenario. Uh, what's it called? I forgot what it's called. The first standard scenario, basically. You've got Direct the offset battle line or something like that or whatever. Something like that. You have the offset clusters on on really close to the board edges, uh, your deployment board edges. You have the small three cluster sectors on the far edges, and you have the one big four cluster sector right here. Is that and we didn't do any special deployment. Um, we just deployed them, went uh, or put them on the table, and just started playing. Uh, it was kind of their. It was this gentleman's, I think, second or third game. I think it was his third game. So he still didn't have a lot of the the weird quirky rules. Gosh darn it, cat! Hold on. Yeah. <laughs> 
our office door doesn't latch right now. I need to, I'm going to work on that this week and see if it can actually latch. But anything, animals can come up and just like sniff and they're hungry. So anyways, um, lost train of thought. Derailed. Oh, it was like his third game. Um, so I was, while also brushing up on some rules, answering a lot of their questions, um, it was just meant to be just a all around fun game. Just try to get them out in the store. Um, it's my first time meeting a couple of those guys. Um, so I didn't want to bring out this super cheesy Atari list, super D-baggy, try to stomp them into the dirt. Which even if I tried, wouldn't have happened. I just I messed up too much in my gotcha list. That's pretty much it. It was just it was just a fun, just kind of a fun game, just to kind of knock the rust off, get everybody greased up a little bit more, um, try to get the game rolling here in the community. So, but at the end of the day, I felt like I got my face kicked in, and I still only lost about three weeks, which is the wonder of drop the league. Good, it's good you felt like you got your face kicked in. Oh, I did not feel good as a Shaltari player. <laughs> did not feel good. <laughs> right, but it, but it brings you humility to realize that you are vulnerable and you you do need to pay attention. <laughs> I'm only vulnerable because I forgot my Corvettes. If I brought Corvettes, I think it'd been a different story. I don't know. The the Corvettes are pretty crap now. Um, except well, the Scourge ones are meh because they're D6 shocks. The the Shaltari ones are still like they're not even bottom of the barrel. Like the barrel is sitting on top of the Shaltari Corvettes. That's how bottom. To be fair, the um Scourge ones were always meh. They're only meh because it's a random number of shots. Like if if they get a lot of shots, then they hit well, they hit hard. Um, it sucks that they don't have the open or the outlier rule, but you put them in a group by themselves or you put them in a group of some gargoyles who do have the outlier rule, and then they basically have outliers. There, there's ways around that. Yeah, they still uh, feature in my 1250 list, which still needs oh, to have a game. Well, I still need to finish painting it, but they're definitely in my list just because Corvette's one of those things where you need to bring three or four of them. Um, because if your opponent does not bring them, they will wreak havoc, just like he did with me. And if your opponent does bring them, then you have some you can at least easily take out his Corvettes, or not easily, you can at least try to take out his Corvettes because he does too much damage. And if he ends up wiping your Corvettes out, you probably took a couple of his out and wasted a bunch of turns with his Corvettes. And if you do take his out, then you start going after a strike. Here. So, Corvettes are one of those things where they're a necessary. Um, I just think the PHR ones are just, they're bananas. I, oh, I thought they were bananas when, yeah, I thought they were bananas when they were released. And they're still, the only thing that saves them is how much they cost. Well, yeah. They're PHR. They're PHR. So they're going to be expensive. But yeah, I, I wish I would have taken pictures. Um, I didn't think about it. I'm going to try to next time, hopefully, we can get a game in. I haven't been able to get a, get a game in between, I haven't been able to get our schedules to mesh up right between everybody. Um, so we haven't gotten a game in a couple weeks. Um, I'm hoping next week I can get a game in that should hopefully start the assist weekly game that back up and roll. Awesome. I think that's it. Alrighty. Well, and I, I've been failing. Work's been kicking my butt, so I haven't been able to look do much. I, I think my most involvement will be in the community will be saying hey come watch me paint so i don't know anything about upcoming events or tournaments other than what we've already talked about last episode yeah, so just the michigan gt was the only one i know of and then yeah um, there's the worldwide campaign have you guys talked about that no we have not you guys know about that i didn't know about that i, I was not aware of it no oh yeah there's a one second let me get my um where's he at here O'Connell. O'Connell uh, started this worldwide campaign. Uh, he's custom making scenarios, and you uh, basically subscribe to this email list in a way. And I think it's I think we decided on a once a month he's going to send out a scenario pack. And let's see if this list goes. He's going to send out a scenario pack, and you just basically go play with whoever you want, however many times you want, and you report games back. And as you report games back, um, it will obviously it will shift the campaign um, based on the storyline and on, on who wins, on what your margin of victory was. Um, we don't know how long the campaign. Um, we just know that we're forging a um, community side story, um, a community driven story. 
um, through this worldwide campaign. And I don't remember how many people are on it. I can't, mm-hmm. I can't see who all he's, who all he's emailing. Um, there's, there's quite a few people. Interesting. That may be something we need to start following. Uh, one sec. So scenario pack. So it doesn't say. Um, but yeah, uh, we're on the second. Like I said, the second scenario pack. Um, he is very open to any sort of, uh, uh, I guess, criticism on what needs to be changed. One on like the the assault point, uh, jump point assault. I heard was a little wonky the way it was set up. Um, and so he he took that criticism very well. Uh, he act, after after everybody had already played the played the uh, scenario, he uh, actually changed it a little bit, and you could play it again if you wanted to. And I haven't heard anything about this. This next one's actually kind of cool. Heather has two um, two scenarios in one folder, but it's it's just kind of cool that somebody's taking the initiative to actually build. Um, so if you guys see one sec, let me let's see if I can Facebook you. It is in the Drop League Commander community. I do remember that. It's it's basically James is the one that's running it. James O'Connell, the admin on the Drop League Commander community. Okay. Well, so if you want to join in, it's been a while since he's posted about it. I do remember that, but just yeah, get on the Drop League Commander community page uh, just look up uh posts from james o'connell <clears throat> i'm sure one of them is on about about the uh campaign i don't i don't see it um or you can just get on there and just either a message him or b just post him. drop the commander community um i know the first week was a little the turnout was a little weak from what i heard um i couldn't do anything about it and have a good play with it. Um, but i am subscribed to it um just because i want to help and i want to be able to read it so that's kind of cool you know, like i said that's definitely something we may have to start following and give updates on on how the how the fight is going so i may i'll try to message him tomorrow um and see if he will allow us to put it on our calendar somehow somehow integrate it into the into the hot lz calendar um not sure how i would do that but i'll try to find a way um and then just scroll into the facebook page i also found an event in cleveland ohio called the cleveland drop fleet clash um wow this is really far ahead um but i guess i guess we can do that in the next section i'll just read through real quick. hit the bumper oh that bumper um this Complete agreement was reached on the scope and timing of operations to be undertaken. Yeah. Um, so it looks like Cleveland Drop Fleet Clash. It is January 26, 2019. So it is kind of way far ahead. But he's, I believe he's doing this since it's just before Adepticon. Um, I think he's doing this so everybody has plenty of time to try to plan out their, their travels. Um, it's at Recess Games in Brook Park and Olmstead, Ohio. North. Uh, wow, that is way north. Holy crap, that's like 3A. Huh. Um, looks like a 1250 tournament. Oh, 1500 points. 1500 points two and a half hour rounds starts at 10 um goes to about 745 ish so it's gonna be a long day um but it should be a lot of fun uh, tp combat rules 20 dollars registration fee 10 dollars goes into the prize pool uh then you'll get 10 dollars in store credit um and if you show up the day of the event it's gonna be 25 so we will be using the proposed changes to torpedoes torpedoes allowed to deliver a nuke to the sector bypass <gasps> What? What? Proposed this... changes. What? Yeah. What? All right. So hold on. So, so if if you go to his little link, and it again, this link is in the uh, Drop the Commander community. Just scroll down to these. Do you see an event called the Cleveland Drop the Clash? We'll discuss this whole uh, pinned post about thing is uh, Recess Cleveland Clash. This tournament will be a primer for Adepticon. We'll have two and a half hour round. Uh, each player needs to bring a fifteen list and DS list. All rules posted on tpcombat.website will be valid. For tournament dreads, destroyers, centurions whatever else they have by that point. Then he says, we will be using the proposed changes to torpedoes. In parentheses, torpedoes are allowed to deliver a nuke to the sector, bypassing the, the missile How have I missed that one? Yeah, no... Not a, not a clue, but... Yeah. That, that changes the game. 
That like, massively torpedo, changes the game. If torpedoes are allowed to drop a nuke, that's freaking awesome. Yeah. And that would easily that would easily make the Remus so much better because he has four tor- torpedoes. Right. And uh, what Actually, the 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 PHR battleship that has two torpedoes, and then all the other torpedoes that PHR has. Darn cat. If that's the case, PHR can literally go F your ground game. Oh, uh, yeah. And that actually kind of makes sense as a proposed change because, like, oh, my gosh. Can you imagine this? That's the one, two, three, four. And Shaltari don't have torpedoes. That's one, two, three, four. So there's four sectors there. So if the Remus was near the middle cluster and had a side cluster in, in range, it could go weapons free because and overcharge, take out that middle cluster, and then fire a torpedo with a nuke to a side cluster and take out that. Two clusters in one round. Good God. And if you if you actually line it up right, you could launch your other... Yeah, yeah, because the Remus can fire all torpedoes in one round. So if you line it up right, you could take out five clusters in a single round for 460 points. How did we not know this? What? How... Okay, we're going to have to get back on this one. We need to find out whether this is a proposed change by the community or by the company. Or, yeah. Because well, I've definitely I'm, not I'm, seen I'm, anything I'm from TT. Right now. I'm I'm thinking if it's a proposed change and looking and now looking at the Remus or freaking torpedoes, I kind of makes sense that that's something that Dave has hidden up his sleeve for okay. like book two. While he's messaging Lewis, oh, I'm, is there any more details I'll, I'll, on that particular? I'll, gonna, I'll, I'll find out for next episode. Yeah, yeah. Is there any more details on that particular tournament? No, that's basically all he has about that one. And if I remember to do it tomorrow, I will put it on the calendar for tomorrow. Yep. Um, In regards to integrating that worldwide campaign into our calendar, my suggestion would be a reminder that the new pack is supposed to come out whatever day that is supposed to happen um if possible that would be my suggestion um the only issue with that is he doesn't really he kind of plays it by ear um if he gets a lot of a lot of reports in then the campaign will progress quicker and if there's a lull then it obviously won't progress as quick because he he has an entire storyline written out for the whole campaign already so if he needs to kind of railroad it or kind of help progress it he will but he would much rather receive community feedback um that's fair um, a reminder that CanCon for 2019 has a two-day Drop Fleet Commander tournament. Um, they have specifically designed it so that it's suitable for first-time playing. So, first-time playing in a tournament, or if you're just coming along for something new or a bigger challenge. The tournament's taking place on Saturday the 26th and Sunday the 27th of January next year. There will be five games at 1250 points. Um, it takes place at the Epic Exhibition Park in Canberra, uh, which is located in Flemington Road and sorry, the corner of Flemington Road and Northbound Avenue in Mitchell. And the registration is ten dollars. Uh, plus, you've uh, you've got to buy your ticket for CanCon as well. Uh, if you would like to get more information or join. Email Adrian at dfcaus1, so dfcaus1 at gmail.com. Uh, I may be coming. It, it still depends yet, but I am aiming to be there so that everybody can show me how better they are at the game than I. <laughs> there's, no, there's, no, was it, there's no try. There's only do or do not. Do not be a triceratops, be a do ceratops. Be a do ceratops. Exactly. I like it. I like it. Be a do, Ceratops. <laughs> Alrighty. 
Well, I think that's going to do it for this episode uh, of the Hot LZ. Thank you for listening. You can find us on Facebook at www.facebook.com slash the Hot LZ. Find our blog posts, show notes, and everything for the podcast at www.thehodlez.com. Of course, uh, there's our Patreon that keeps everything going and pays our bills. Uh, Thank you to all the supporters and our sponsor, The Mall Exchange. Uh, You can find us there on www.patreon.com slash holzy slash posts. And, of course, our email, thehalseypcgmail.com. We do check it. Well, not tonight. Um, uh, But please do do send us your stuff, you know. You know, we're here to help the community. If the community helps us, that makes us better for the community to help the community even more. You can send us anything, your your battle reports, custom scenarios, questions, anything about the game. Um, I think that's it. Did I get everything? I got everything. I think that's it. All righty. Uh, let, let's get out of here, guys. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Hot LZ. Music used in this podcast was created by Eric Mateus at soundimage.org. Play more games. You okay? You okay? There it is. Holy crap, though. A <laughs> torpedo delivering a nuke. Oh, oh. I'm going to start finding out how much it's going to cost me to buy a PHR fleet now. <laughs> Dude, you don't need a fleet. Just get the get the arenas and no, no, he uh, needs a fleet because he doesn't have any of them. So he needs to buy a fleet. No, yeah, get a Remus. That's four hundred and sixty points. Play a twelve fifty and get a couple strike carriers and a bunch of. That's about it. There's right. twelve fifty points and like twelve ships. Ew, that's gonna be so gross. I, I need I need to figure out where that rule is or where that proposed change is. Yeah, no, okay. I, I I I question. I sent a question to Lewis about that, so hopefully I hear something. Oh, oh, it makes me moist. All right, later, guys. (laughs) See you guys. Yeah.